हेलो एंड वेलकम टू अनदर एपिसोड ऑफ सेकेंड हैंड स्टोरीज दिस इज अ प्लेस वेर आई टेल यू स्टोरीज वॉट काइंड वेल हिस्ट्रीज मिस्ट्रीज एंड अनबिलीव हिस्ट्रीज एंड हियर इज दिस वीक्स स्टोरी Sherpa Pemba Dorje was trying for a world record. He was attempting to climb Everest in the shortest possible time. He has made good progress. He's climbed a lot of the mountain and he's near the summit. But it's been an extremely arduous journey. It's been extremely tough and he's completely out of breath. He's very very tired. He's exhausted. All the equipment that he's carrying feels very heavy. It almost feels like it's 10 times the weight as he's almost near the summit. Around him the wind is raging. It's howling past him almost like it's yelling in agony. It's bitterly cold. and he knows that there is just a little bit of distance left between him and the summit however he knows that this little distance is going to be a lot and it's going to be even longer as he makes his way back down now he stops to rest at this mound of rocks and as he's waiting there catching his breath he looks up and he sees something that sends a chill down his spine a chill that's colder than the wind that's swirling around him because what he's seen straight ahead are a few black shadows these shadows seem to be coming closer toward him they're stumbling and lurching forward and he sees that the shadows have got their hands outstretched now as he watches them approach him he suddenly notices something else it feels to him as if the shadows are in pain now he recognizes that the hands that they've outstretched to him it feels like they're begging for food the shadows start approaching closer and closer and then as they've neared him pembar dorje has shut his eyes inside his snow goggles and when he opens them again the shadows are gone pembar dorje would make it to the summit and he would make it back down unfortunately his record would be disputed but he would vividly recall this incident that took place before the summit at the mound of rocks he would later say that it felt to him as if these black shadows were the spirits of dead mountaineers of people who had lost their lives on the mountain and whose bodies still remained on this high altitude graveyard and these are the stories of those weary ghosts
the himalayan range is the tallest mountain range in the world it runs across india's northern and eastern border and we share it with nepal bhutan and china there are a hundred peaks within the himalayan range that are all over the height of 24000 feet but the crown jewel of the himalayan range of course is mount everest at 29031 feet above sea level everest is the world's tallest mountain in fact if you were standing on its summit you would just be a few feet below the cruising altitude of a commercial airplane and ever since its discovery this mountain has been like a siren calling out to the most adventurous amongst us the first expedition that was launched to conquer everest was done in 1924 it was spearheaded by george mallory and andrew irvin now when george mallory was asked why he wanted to scale everest he famously replied because it's there it would be unclear whether the two men would succeed in their mission however we do know that they became amongst the mountain's earliest victims andrew irvin's body has still not been found but george mallory's body eerily well preserved with its time ravaged clothes still on was found in 1999 the mountain would finally be conquered in 1953 by sir edmund hillary and tenzing norgay and ever since the two of them set foot on the summit several thousand people have followed in their footsteps and managed to achieve this distinguished deed however the mountain has also become the final resting place of more than 300 would be adventurers were entombed along its slopes no wonder so many people seem to hear voices in the whirling winds and seem to see things in the shining snow there are some odd stories that have started coming out from mount everest for example this one this is the story of dougal haston and doug scott Both men were members of a larger expedition that was mounted to conquer Everest in 1975. Dougal Haston was a Scottish mountaineer and Doug Scott was English. And the two men after a lot of struggling finally clambered onto the summit of Everest on 24th September 1975. They make it to the top at 6 pm as the sun is setting and the light is fading they get on top of the summit they are all smiles they congratulate each other hug each other pat each other's backs take photographs savor this view that they've struggled so long to see and then they begin their descent as they're descending down the mountain lightning starts flashing all around them a storm has hit everest and suddenly it's too dark to descend and the winds have picked up speed it's so strong that it almost threatens to throw them off the mountain the two men know that there is no way that they're going to descend now what they have to do is somehow get through this night 
So what the two men start doing is they start digging out snow and making a little hole, a cave in which they can spend the night. Now they dig this snow out till 9 p.m. and they've made a little cubby, a little hole and they get inside it. Things are not looking very good because they've run out of oxygen, there's no food, it's bitterly cold, cold beyond human perception and they are going to now have to spend this whole night at 28,000 feet. It's the highest anyone has stayed for this long. Now the two men are stuck together in this very tight space. They're extremely tired after a whole day of climbing. And then Dougal Haston starts talking to a third man. Doug Scott notices this. They're in a very small space. There is no chance that there is anybody else with them. But he can hear Dougal Haston talking as if there is another person. Through the conversation, he can tell that whoever Dougal Haston is talking to is a climber. This phantom climber spends the entire night with them. And oddly, Doug Scott doesn't find this unnatural. It seems as natural as the ice being cold. In fact, the presence of this phantom climber seems to comfort the two men. They stay awake through the night and in the morning they find out that they are perfectly good to make a descent. They have somehow avoided injury, avoided frostbite and they seem to be in perfectly good shape. As they make their way down, they would like to thank this phantom companion. But of course, there's no one there. They wouldn't be the only ones to experience this phenomena. There was another climber called Frank Smith. He was one of the early pioneers of Everest, an early climber. And he experienced this odd thing too. Here's what happened to him. He was climbing up the mountain when suddenly he feels like there's another person climbing with him. He starts interacting with this phantom climber and the interactions are so vivid, so real that when Frank Smith stops for a break, he offers the phantom a piece of his mint cake. It's only then that he realizes that whoever he was interacting with wasn't made of flesh and blood. There is another climber called Steve Fisher who reported something very similar and very eerie. He said that when he was descending from the summit, he came across a figure who was wearing Tibetan clothing. And this figure had a very strange and peaceful look on its face. These aren't stories that are just reserved for people climbing Everest. These stories and phenomena seem to come out from climbers across the world who are climbing mountains all over the place. All of them seem to report a very similar thing, that while they were climbing, they felt the presence of another climber who gave them comfort and reassurance as they made their arduous journeys. Although it seems incredible and far-fetched, science does offer an explanation. And the explanation has everything to do 
with the altitude at which these people are operating and the extremity of the task that they are doing. In mountaineering circles, anything that is above 26,000 feet is known as the death zone. It's an extremely morbid name, but for good reason. It's above this height that the body starts deteriorating at a rapid pace. Now here's what happens. At that height, the atmospheric pressure is 30% less than it would be at sea level, which is why the body has less oxygen to use. You can't survive for too long at that height without supplemental oxygen. Now what this does, it leads to several conditions, all of them deadly. You can die of the cold, you can get mountain sickness, or you can get high altitude cerebral edema or haze. People who develop haze, they are recommended to immediately start descending because this can get life-threatening. Now, haze is essentially when the fluids of the brain start building up and it leads to fatigue, dizziness, headaches, loss of coordination, blindness, and hallucinations. It's this last part that's very interesting. It's because when you starve the brain of oxygen, suddenly you realize that the brain not only affects the body, but also alters reality. You start realizing how fragile our sense of reality really is. How it's not just what we perceive, but also how the brain puts it together. Starved of oxygen, these hallucinations seem to be very similar to the ones that climbers claim to see. What this essentially means is that Everest doesn't need the supernatural to be deadly. It can take lives all by itself. In fact, there are several stories that illustrate just how deadly this mountain can be. There is a section on Everest called the Rainbow Valley. Now, it's a very pretty sounding name for something extremely dark. Because here's what the Rainbow Valley is. It's a section in the death zone where there are several dead bodies of climbers who are wearing different colored jackets. So there are bodies wearing red jackets, yellow jackets, green, blue jackets. They form a morbid rainbow. <laughs> then there is the story of Green Boots. Now before he was known as Green Boots, this climber was known as Sevang Paljor. Sevang Paljor was an Indian. He was from Ladakh. He was 28 years old and he had joined the Indo-Tibetan Border Police or the ITBP. In 1996, the ITBP launched an expedition hoping to become the first Indians to summit Everest from the Northeast Ridge and they would succeed on May 10th, 1996, three men, Dorje Morup, Sevang Smanla and Sevang Paljor made it to the summit. They relayed this information to their expedition leader who would then pass on this information to the then Prime Minister of India with pride. But this jubilance was short-lived because as they start descending, the weather turns. A blizzard hits the mountain. Suddenly it feels as if the lights have been turned off. As if the sun had been smothered out by clouds. It's become pitch black. 
the winds have picked up speed the temperature has plunged to minus 50 it is so cold that any exposed flesh freezes instantly it's extremely harsh conditions the wind is is rattling them and what's worse the three men are separated it's in these conditions that sevang paljor is now trying his best to make his way down he has run out of oxygen so you can imagine how laboriously he's breathing his ragged breath is trying to pull in as much air as he possibly can his headlamp and its narrow beam of light is the only illumination on this treacherous path his mind is fading and he's struggling to take control of it he's struggling to coordinate his body and he knows he has a long way to go because the camp is still a thousand feet below him now as he stumbles around in this icy wilderness you can imagine what must be going through his mind his will must have been exhausted by the elements and the exertion that he's putting in now he finds a small cave this cave was formed by a rocky overhang and instinctively he crawls inside it hoping to get some protection from this piercing wind he gets inside this cave and he curls up in the corner he pulls his red jacket as high as he can take it to cover his face and then he wraps his hands around his torso to heat up his hands and his body he just wants to rest just rest a little bit before carrying on rest until the storm ends but he would never rise from his resting climbers who would later take the northeast ridge route would find this climber tucked in this corner huddled hoping to get some warmth for his body he is frozen in place only his feet sticking out wearing their distinctive green boots that's how this body got its name over time the person that was sevang paljor receded into history and was replaced by the name green boots he became less a person and more a marker for future climbers climbing the summit often climbers would stop at this very cave to take a break to eat food and they would be sitting right next to a body in its eternal slumber as sad and disturbing as it is it's extremely difficult to move dead bodies from that height because these bodies get frozen into the ground it's very difficult to even chisel them out and then it's even harder to take this dead weight down the treacherous mountain and so whoever is left there is left there forever thankfully sevang paljor would be moved away from his cave to a spot where he's harder to find he would be cleared off the main trail now he didn't get the decency of a burial but he did get the dignity of some privacy these are the stories that you can explain through science or through chance but there are a few stories that are a little harder to explain away one story comes to us from k2 k2 is 
another mountain which is the second tallest mountain in the world it's part of the karakoram range and k2 although it is just slightly shorter than everest is far deadlier than everest there's a higher percentage of people who have died on k2 and one among those people was a british climber called julie tulis in 1986 julie tulis managed to summit k2 but on the way down she suffered a bad fall somehow she still managed to make it to camp 4 at camp 4 she enters she's snow blind and suffering from haze and it would be at camp 4 that she would eventually succumb now 6 years later in 1992 two men called thor kaiser and scott fisher are at k2's base camp they're part of a russian american expedition and one night they have fallen asleep but they're jolted awake because their radio has crackled to life over the radio they hear a voice say camp 4 to base camp do you read over Now this freaks the two men out because they know that at this point there is nobody on the mountain and the voice that has come through the radio is that of a british woman and finally we come to the last story which seems to come from the very womb of all ghost stories from grief this is the story of the legendary climber wanda rutkevich wanda rutkevich was a polish climber and she was extraordinary she was very very good there are 14 mountains that are all 8000 meters and above and wanda rutkevich had scaled 9 of them it was on her attempt to scale her 10th 8000 meter plus mountain that she would eventually lose her life she was trying to conquer kanchenjunga when she disappeared and soon after her disappearance a friend of hers gets a call a telephone call in the middle of the night she wakes up picks up the phone and to her eternal surprise she hears the voice of wanda on the other end the friend immediately says we are all in despair where are you and the voice replies i am cold i am very cold but don't cry everything will be fine the friend then says when will you be back and the voice replies i cannot now and then the phone goes dead and that's why hell isn't always beneath our feet sometimes hell can be several thousand meters above sea level that is the episode for this week hope you enjoyed it if you did then please leave a like and a comment if there are other stories that you would like me to cover then also leave them in the comment section below as usual every single episode of second hand stories is shot in front of a live audience 
if you too would like to be a part of the live recordings and all you have to do is become a member of the channel that's it from this episode until next time take care and bye bye